Welcome to The Hannibal Files, a Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of Brian Fuller's serial killer drama Hannibal, which is now streaming on Netflix. Tonight, I'm joined by Amir Toure and Derek Wong. Here we are discussing episodes five and six of Hannibal's first season titled Coquille and Entree. Um, so I guess let's start with episode five, right? Coquille. Um, continuing the first season theme of episode titles being French culinary terms. Um, coquille being the word for oyster shell in French. And in terms of dining, coquille is typically a seafood dish served in either an actual scallop or oyster shell or on a plate shaped like one. So what did you guys think of this episode? I think it was an oyster shell without much of a pearl in it, but... Uh, yeah, without a pearl in it. <laughs> but uh, no, it, it was an okay episode. I think the killer of the week, this episode was just kind of meh, but there were some parallels between his condition and what we find out about Jack Crawford's wife in the episode that uh, really bring the episode to a higher level. So I liked yeah, it. It was okay. Sure. Um, it wasn't, uh, the bombshell that six was, but, uh, it's still, still, yeah, I mean, still good. Still good. I think, um, I think most of the meat of this episode is going to be on episode six, but we'll, we'll talk, we'll still talk about this episode. I mean, I think it's my favorite, um, kind of disposable killer of the week episode. Um, just from what you said, like it's, it's elevated by all the stuff with Jack's wife played by, uh, Gina Torres, right? Um, Derek, what do you think? I would echo Amir's exact sentiments. Uh, I think that the kill of the week itself was really probably, if I'm thinking about them, probably one of my least favorite actual killers of the week. Mm. But the substance of, yes, like the stuff about the cancer and his disease and the kind of realization that Jack has during the episode, I thought was really great. And all the stuff between Gina Torres's character or Bella and Hannibal in the in her sessions, I thought were really strong elements of the story. So yeah, everything besides the kill of the week, I thought was pretty good. And yeah. I definitely enjoyed this episode more than the first time I think I watched it. Yeah, I remember I watched it the first time. I wasn't very impressed with this episode. This was at the point where kill of the week thing was not working for me. Yeah, I, I agree. But on a second watch through, I paid more attention to just everything around that. And I thought it was a stronger episode than I, I remembered watching. The yeah, I, my my recollection of this episode, because this is my second or maybe third third time through the series. Um, I wasn't too fond of it, but like rewatching it, my recollection came back about like all the stuff with Jack and Bella and Hannibal. And it's just like mm -hmm. a really beautiful parallel in this episode. And that just really elevates it above um, some of the other kill over the week stuff that we've, that we've seen. So the whole a plot of this episode um, is about a killer called the angel maker, right? Which is a pretty cool name. I, I got to admit. Um, it is. It's I'm, a good one. I'm just going to call him that through this episode because it's cooler than his real name. I don't remember where, uh, <laughs> yeah, <don't> Elliot, <laughs> Elliot, Elliot Budish. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. Budish. There is some really gross, imagery in this with yes. the way he kills his yeah, victims pretty yeah, good stuff. i was gonna say yeah. it was very uh reminded me a lot of silence silence of the lambs yeah yeah like the the blood angels where he like peels the backs yeah, yeah. off his victims and so like this his whole deal is like he has a terminal illness right and he like he's actually a vigilante killer so he kills criminals i guess and then he has them like turned into these blood eagle angels. He, I guess he calls them those guardian angels to watch over him while he sleeps to make sure that he doesn't die. It's kind of, it's kind of like a weak MO, I feel. It's not that great, but like, um, again, the stuff with, with, uh, with Jack and his wife is much more interesting and makes this uh, killer much more interesting in effect, right? Mm -hmm. So what's going on is that this is that the angel maker has a brain tumor that's causing him to hallucinate and to think that he's seen people's sins and uh, he kills them, I guess. Um, and then it's also yeah. that plus his like inability to deal with his oncoming death. Um, and mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe some psychosis or something. I don't know exactly what's going on with him, but um, that brain tumor is parallel to uh, we find out later in the episode that uh, Jack Crawford's wife has. Uh, metastatic liver cancer 
I think it's lung. Is it lung cancer? Well, no, she's a liver cell. But doesn't she say it's a liver cell that's gone to her lung? So does that count as liver cancer or lung well, cancer? It's liver cancer if it starts okay. in the liver. But, I mean, I don't know if it's liver cancer that metastasized to the lung or if it's supposed to be lung cancer. Mm. I don't know. I, I thought it was liver. I guess they yeah. do say it's lung cancer. And they go, oh, you don't smoke. So maybe it's supposed to yeah, be lung yeah, cancer. Yeah. The language they use is just not. Yeah. Um, the point is that she has cancer. and um, Stage four terminal. Yeah. And, um, uh, and so that's yeah. paralleled with the serial killer. And an important figure in the episode is uh, Mr. Budish's wife. Um, yeah. And probably the best moment in the episode is when, you know, she's describing how he began to withdraw from her um, after his diagnosis. Uh, and that, you know, he just wanted to be left alone um, and how uh, he couldn't deal with it. And then, you know, uh, you can see the dawning realization on Jack's face as he realizes that's what his wife is doing. Yeah, because we got a taste of that in, at the end of the last episode, right? Because they went to bed. And she was very like emotionally cold and distant. Cold, yeah. We didn't know what her deal was, right? But this episode, we found out that uh, through her sessions with Hannibal, that she's feeling like, oh, you know, Jack has enough on his plate, and like she doesn't want him to have to deal with her like terminal diagnosis as well. Um, so what I thought was really great about this was that it was an excellent portrayal of like complex emotion, right? It's just not it's not just like grief and sadness and like emotional distance and stuff like that. it's it's like a combination of everything and it seemed really realistic. You have like your love for your husband and then like you also are sad that you're dying, but like there's also this element of like resentment that like you're not telling him that you're dying um because you don't want to put too much on his plate, but like mm-hmm you also resent him for making you do that, that. I guess. So it was, it was very complex. And I feel like TV shows don't really portray those like complex emotions that often. And I thought this was really beautiful and it was, I, I I thought it was great. Um, Really good. And then, yeah. And then, and then on Jack's side, you can see he's angry that she shut him out and sad at that and sad that his wife is dying, but still angry at her and wanting to comfort her and not being able to. And and she's angry that she feels like she has to comfort him through his grief about her dying. She's like, I'm the one dying. And so, yeah, it's really, it's really good. I, I do like the conversations they have around trying to resolve their issues also. It doesn't get to a, a contentious point where they're yelling or fighting, really. They're trying to understand each other's points, also talk it out. There's uh, there's some couples goals here, right, in, in a sense. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like they're both dealing with something really big. And, of course, you know, someone like Bella is the one dealing with cancer. But as much as it, the grief that she's feeling, I mean, Jack's also feeling a tremendous amount of grief. And he's trying to express it with, with his words and his emotions. And I really, I found that stuff really beautiful in the episode, right? The... Mm-hmm. The talks that they have at the bed or when he, you know, kind of ambushes her at uh, Hannibal's office, right? And they, they talk it out in the office. I really, I, I thought all those moments were really beautiful. Yeah, definitely 100% agree. And We'll get more into this in like the next one. But like, what's Hannibal's deal? Does he like genuinely like Jack Crawford and his wife? And is he trying to be a good like psychiatrist to them? Because I don't see how that could be the case given some of the other things he gets up to. Um, and then, like, I don't know, like, I just don't, like, and is Hannibal, like, that is a good is point, it, because he does seem like a good psychiatrist in these sessions. So is with, he? I wonder, like, that's what I'm not sure about. Like, is he a good psychiatrist, or is he just, like, a good TV psychiatrist? Like, he does a lot of, like, I don't know, verbal sparring with his patients, and, like, he kind of, like, I don't know, jumps from thought to thought, and, like... I don't know. Like he's very like I don't know. Is he trying to help these people? Like is he helping them? I think I, it's I purposefully know. written as vague mm-hmm. until it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's plenty yeah, of times where sure. it's you feel like yes, maybe he is trying to help and he is actually trying to be a friend to Jack. But then I think that's what we see in this episode. But then you know episodes moving forward, I think he is sometimes an antagonist and and is pushing buttons and we see that i think you kind of mentioned amir like we see that sometimes where he becomes contentious with his own patient or or whoever he's talking to so i think he knows the buttons that he needs to push to manipulate or push people in certain ways yeah i think like when when he's being manipulative you know he's being manipulative Mm -hmm. but like it's very purposefully vague in all the other instances um i think 
All right. I think like with his his sessions with like Bella or like when he's having dinner with Jack and things like that, I think it's it's just a fancier way of like having that psychiatrist cliche of like, well, how does that make you feel or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, there's a lot of that where it doesn't tip his hand towards one way or the other. But when Hannibal's being a piece of shit, you know he's being a piece of shit. So like we'll see in the next episode. But yeah. So going back to the angel maker, um, you know what the angel maker really reminded me of? Have you ever guys seen that movie Frailty? No. Um with uh, Will Paxton as a serial killer. It's pretty much just like the Angel Maker. It's like a faith-based type of like vigilante killer where receives messages from God about like who to kill. Hmm. Um, it's very similar to that. Great movie, by the way. Does he also see people's head on fire? <laughs> he, doesn't, he does not. But oh, Okay. Uh, because I, I thought that was actually one of the cooler effects I, I really liked. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Episode. Yeah, because like, you could see them like also still smiling through the flames. It's just like, it's kind of creepy where you're seeing people happy in their heads. Yeah, just, that's like, kind of a weird, on fire. Yeah, like a weird... <laughs> Another thing I want to talk about was like, how did he kill himself in the that, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Will finds pretty him and he's impressive. like strung up on the roof of the barn and he's like yeah. outstretched with like, he's he did like the bloody cool thing to himself and he's like... Mm-hmm. But then his arms are tied up, like his arms are out and tied up. His his legs are tied up. It's like, how did you, how did you do this? That's the point in the episode where I was really taken out of it. I was, I, I couldn't stop thinking about that at that point. I guess you could come up with some contraption that like pulls your arms out like that, and like, and you know he does have like a very high pain tolerance because he castrated himself right in the beginning of the episode. Yeah, true. This is probably the weakest point for me was the the point where it all kind of ends in a dud in a sense they're not the ones that stop him right they're 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 too late like he's already dead and yeah they don't really stop him right because he stops himself right and the stakes on this killer of the week aren't very high they're pretty low i mean like yeah he's killing criminals it doesn't even show you how he knows that they're criminals right um i think i think the implication is that he does he's just kind of gotten lucky so far is he getting lucky? Lucky yeah. is because yeah. so, Will's like, um, he just is kind of just imagining this guy. <laughs> <laughs> he thinks in his own head that he's killing the right people, right? That's what he says. And he just happens to be right the couple times he's done it. I guess. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's just killing yeah. people who've done bad things, but like that doesn't make it right. He's still a fucking <laughs> asshole. I mean, he's no, still a serial right. killer. <laughs> I mean, like right in the in the sense that these people have done bad things, not that sure. He's, but I mean. I, I take that to its logical. I mean, so have we all, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> if some serial killer kills you and they trot out the worst thing you've ever done, it's like, oh, see, this guy actually had the power to detect who's evil. It's like, ah, yeah, fuck that. He's not the fucking shadow. Get out of here. <laughs> Do they mention the crimes of his victims or not really? I think, um, I think a couple of them. I don't remember. I don't recall. Yeah, well, I think he only has two. I think before he does himself the like yeah yeah he's not the, that many well there's two in the the, the couple from pulp one in fiction. the raptors and then the couple yeah uh, the couple from pulp fiction yeah. and like the fake security guard yeah but yeah they offhandedly mentioned like that they were not criminals per se but they don't like they're not spotless in in mm. in a sense but i don't know if they specifically say what they did yeah. they do uh at least the couple like the one guy was a Mm, rapist okay. murderer and like yeah, the, the girl was a cop right. and then the, the solo guy was I don't know corrupt security guard or like pretending to be security guard was actually some kind of corrupted felon for something and this episode also sees the first uh, instance of Will sleepwalking right mm-hmm. um, which will come back later but yeah I like that I like the sleepwalking as like a manifestation yeah and you got like, like the discomfort with his job or whatever I thought that was yeah. cool. Well, then, yeah, it leads to his sessions with Hannibal in this episode where I feel like this is the the start or the maybe the first episode where Hannibal's really trying to sow dissent between Jack and Will. Mm-hmm. And it kind of works, right? Because we see Will later crack and, and raise his voice against Jack. Well, I think it's funny because he calls out Hannibal as doing it, right? He's like, oh, Hannibal, you're trying to drive a wedge between me and Jack. Yeah, but then Will still later, like, snaps at Jack. So, like, it's working in a sense, right? They're not fully, like, he doesn't fully hate Jack, but you can kind of see that whatever Hannibal was trying to do at the 
earlier part of the episode is kind of working. Yeah. Well, yeah so I, I mean, that is it? I mean, I, I feel like he's only fanning the flames of some kind of something that's already there, right? Like, I mean, yeah, so is he's it definitely Hannibal? just amplifying like, something that's already this, there. I know Hannibal's yeah. a manipulative serial killer, right? But, like, isn't he also actually right? Like, isn't Jack actually exposing Will to situations which he's not, well, handling well? Like, yeah. I don't know, isn't it actually reckless and dangerous what he's doing to Will's psyche? Like, I feel like Hannibal's not I mean, wrong. I think that's the smart thing about Hannibal, though, right, is that he recognizes that. Alana's been the other voice that's basically right, the same thing. Right, and she's saying the thing. same thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so Absolutely. it's like, Absolutely. I think he recognizes it and is trying to weaponize it, in a sense, in this episode. One other thing I wanted to bring up also about this episode is the there's like a characterization of Hannibal in the in the books, but also we see it in Silence of the Lambs, is that Hannibal has this great sense of smell. Like he has this heightened, almost like superpower like sense of smell. And I, I really like how they kind of make that front and center this episode, right? Where they talk about he tells this story where he can he smelled the cancer on his professor. Mm-hmm. And when he's saying that, he looks straight at Bella. Mm. That's our first hint. Like, wait, was he like directing that right at her? And then we realize like and then it just cuts to the next scene. Where he, already they both, knows. he already knows, right? Or they both, she knows that he knows, right? Like there's no hidden message there anymore. So it's really, I, I really found the that dynamic really interesting. This is something that comes up again and again to his sense of smell. And then this is also the episode where um, they're in Hannibal's study and, and Will's just standing yes. there and he's like, did you just smell me? <laughs> yeah. 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 And the the part about the the aftershave is actually taken it's kind of inspired from the books mm-hmm. because there's a point where will and, and hannibal in the book have a confrontation he mentions like oh you're still wearing that atrocious aftershave yeah it smells like something with a ship on the bottle yeah so i thought that was really really interesting i swear that that scene is i've seen that scene memed before right like it's, that's it's a, meme. Yeah. it's a meme for the show yeah for sure what the aftershave did you just smell me the, the smell, yeah. yeah. Did you just smell me? I think I think it's a meme when like a lot of people are talking about like the homoerotic undertones of the show, and like mm-hmm. I think this is kind of the start of that, and it's definitely a meme that that people have appropriated from the show. I mean, anything else about this episode? I mean, uh, we talked about most of the heavy stuff with like Bella and Jack and Hannibal and how it relates to the killer of the week, um, but pretty pretty run of the mill killer of the week episode before we get into the real good stuff with uh mm-hmm. entree the next episode right pretty much it i mean the last thing i would say is that when they're in the barn you know right before will sees his hallucination of all that dialogue between him and jack and jack like like saying do you want to quit and all that stuff is actually pulled straight from the book like those lines are pulled from the book oh, really? so it's kind of interesting that they, they take those straight lines and kind of build like almost because it does seem like the episode kind of culminates to that scene, right? Where that's the final kind of like clash between Will and, and Jack this episode. So it's nice to see that the the writers kind of taking inspiration from the book and building on it. But I mean, that's that's all I have to say before we move on to the real the real good episode. <laughs> this is an episode I really want to talk about, right? Yes. The second episode we're discussing tonight is titled entree um it is an entree entree. i'm really excited to discuss this definitely does feel like a main course right i think Mm -hmm. hannibal's been very very good but i think episode six here is where it makes the leap to like an all-time great show and uh, and honestly one of the best episodes of this i think series in my opinion it's really good just the way it juggles so so many things without dropping a single beat is just like incredible like i can't believe it it's it's crazy first of all it sees the introduction of three really important characters the killer abel gideon played by eddie izzard dr frederick chilton played by raul esparza Mm -hmm. taking over for anthony heald from silence of the lambs and miriam lass played by anna chlumsky of uh my girl and veep fame right my girl (laughs) (laughs) nice yeah this episode is is a doozy so I mean, I guess you could still say this is a killer of the week episode because Abel Gideon is technically the killer of the week, right? Yeah. So right, Abel, yeah. Abel Gideon is an inmate in the custody of uh, Raul Esparza's Frederick Chilton, right? Mm-hmm. And he used to be a colleague with Alana, 
and he thinks that Abel Gideon is the Chesapeake Ripper. So last episode, episode five, was the first mention of the Chesapeake Ripper in this series, I believe, right? I don't think he's he was mentioned before. I know we mentioned it because we know... Did they not mention it in the first episode? I don't think so. Huh. Um, right now, we've only known, of what, the Minnesota Shrike and the Copycat? There's no mention of the Chesapeake Ripper. So... Mm. This is the first episode that really dives into the mythology of the the Chesapeake Ripper, right? So he's like a prolific serial killer. And Abel Gideon, he's only known for killing his family, correct? At like a Thanksgiving dinner? Is that what yeah. happened? That's yeah. why he's in the hospital. All right. The team here is is called to investigate whether Chilton really does have the Chesapeake Ripper in his custody. And and it starts off with the murder of the nurse in the asylum, right? That, yeah. that was a that great, was tough great to watch. Scene. It was yeah. really tough to watch. Oh, tough to watch. It's very Silence of the Lambs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Hannibal popping up and killing the whole staff in the ambulance or whatever. It's very much that. Uh, yeah. well, also, I think it's inspired by the story, right? That, And I think this also comes from the book. But if you remember from Silence of the Lambs, Chilton tells a story about Hannibal where he one time feigned uh, a condition and then he, he killed an orderly or something. Isn't that yeah. one of the, the, yeah, that's the story that Chilton tells Clarice, right? When they, she first comes to the hospital. So I think it's kind of inspired by that too. And this one's different too, because like we've seen Will uh, inhabit like the bodies of the killers before, you know, like when he's, strangling Elise Nichols in the first episode. Mm-hmm. But like this one is this one is dark. It was crazy. Yeah. It's like there are yeah. no words. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't he doesn't say like, oh, this is my design or anything. Yeah, there's no, and there's mm-hmm. no weird yellow flashes beforehand. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I like this a lot better. This was a lot creepier and more effective. This one it really dives into more the gruesome act of what he actually did to that nurse. Yeah. We don't really talk about Hugh Dancy a lot on this podcast. And I think we should, because his performance is always great, but like here is like, it's really something else, right? Mm-hmm. Just like the way he moves around pretending to not pretending, but like inhabiting the, the spirit of, uh, of Gideon, right? Like it's so like slow and like unhurried. Cause he like, he knows what he's doing. And like, he's so sure of himself. Right. And like, it's so different from like the Will Graham that, usually see and like to see him do this is like it's like such a performance right yeah and then right after he's like wrecked by the way he reconstructed this killing right and he's like completely broken afterwards there's like tears in his eyes and it's hard to see like it's the same actor in both scenarios right it's 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 really something else here and really goes to the strength of Hugh Dancy as an actor I think so this nurse is, oof. <laughs> yeah. There's some eye trauma here, and then like, yeah. and then she's like impaled on all the all the medical stands. Like uh, an mo of the Chesapeake Ripper, right? It's the mo of the Chesapeake Ripper, um, which we'll find out later. So yeah, we see very similar corpses laid out with like everything impaled in them and everything. Yeah. An interesting thing that this episode really does is that it parallels two stories being told at the same time, right? Where we get the Abel Gideon story happening in the, in our present, but then we flash back to two years ago, right? I think they say mm-hmm. she's yep. been two years where um, we meet the character of Miriam Lass mm-hmm. and her attempts to, to also find this Chesapeake Ripper. And there's tons of parallels, right? I mean, she's Miriam Lass a, pro- a is proto Starling, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which makes me question if the character of Jack Crawford had another hotshot student that he got killed, why would he want to do that again with someone like Clarice? Well, later he's in the he's future, like he's right? like Batman. You know how many Robins Batman's got killed? Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Miriam Lass is Jason Todd. Uh, okay. <laughs> Not just another protege, but Will, right? Because this is another parallel, right? Because that's right, true. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like another pony to break. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but to address the Clarice thing, um, Miriam Lass is actually supposed to be a stand-in for Clarice. 
Mm-hmm. I want to say that if they got the rights to silence, they would have had Miriam Lass as Clarice. I think like actually just become the character, like yeah. not actually have a Clarice, but just have they, they Lass. had Miriam Lass because because they could not get the rights to Clarice Starling. Yeah, interesting. Um, so the implication being that Hannibal kills Clarice at some point, or or in, in their alternate I don't version. Know. I think- in their I, I think, history. I think maybe because they couldn't get the rights to Clarice, they changed her fate, obviously, because I don't know. It's I think it's pretty pretty complicated, but um Miriam Last, great character. Just in this uh, one episode, right, that we're seeing her in, right? It's like this really memorable character that yeah. you really feel for, you feel like like where why like you, you kind of question like why she isn't there now but then we learn at the end of the episode or by the end of the episode that she's been taken right or she's been taken by Hannibal and killed had her arm cut off at one point uh yeah so it's like it still begs the question to be like why why Jack hasn't learned his lesson especially with all the warnings that he's been getting from Alana and even Hannibal about Will that to me still doesn't sit quite right when I think about mm-hmm. the whole grand scheme of things. I mean, I think that's like that's like Jack's flaw, right? Yeah, he uses people. That's true, um, and he doesn't really care about. I mean, he cares about Will's well-being to a certain degree, but like he knows that um, he's able to catch these killers only because of Will's like empathic abilities, right? Um, and what those abilities due to Will's mental state. Like, I mean, he feels bad about it, but like he's saving lives. That's how he justifies right, it. It's the price you pay. It's the price yeah. you pay for yeah. catching these killers. He says it explicitly. He's like, you know, you would yeah. feel, you know, you wouldn't be able to t- t- put up with it if you left this job just because of your mental health. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. What's worse, what he does with Miriam or what he does with what he's doing with Will? You think? Because Miriam uh, Lass, he's breaking the rules because she's just a trainee, right? And yeah. He um kind of sicks her on the trail of the Chesapeake. Yeah, River. he basically implies like, hey, just do what you hey, gotta yeah, do. Yeah, just just investigate this. No, yeah, no big yeah, deal. Yeah. And she's smart enough to figure out who he is. So in the flashback, we see another body that's done up just like the nurse, where it's like all these different instruments and tools and like stands just jutting out of the corpse and it's how uh how the chesapeake ripper is killing people it's kind of like his mo there's like organs missing um things like that and how she discovers it's hannibal is that uh one of the victims was a patient of hannibal's correct when he was a, a surgeon was he a surgeon yeah he like he when when he was uh yeah a surgeon at the hospital he yeah. i guess operated on him that night right right and then yeah. She goes to his office and and she notices the drawing of the wound man, which is actually a real piece of drawing? art from history. Yeah, it's like a real drawing. Yeah. One of those old drawings with like, it's like an old medical drawing with a body and like different types of weapons and like the types of wounds they inflict. It looks just like the, the victims of the Chesapeake Ripper. So, um, and this is the first time we see Hannibal in action. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, um, it is. I mean, we don't see him kill Miriam here, but like, we don't see him in serial killer mode until this episode, right? Yeah. Um, and he is, uh, he's agile. He's, uh, <laughs> he's, like, he's, he's yeah, yeah, he's like coming down the ladder. I was like, the first time I watched this episode, like, oh shit, he's like coming down the ladder. He he's taken off his shoes. He's just in his socks. He like scampers up to her and like puts her in a chokehold. It's like terrifying. Yeah, that shit was awful. Um, yeah. I really love this episode because of the parallels it has with well, the inspiration it draws from both the books and silence. I think both. And this is probably one of the coolest ones, I think. Yes. They take from the book because this incident basically happens to Will in the books. Yes. So Will is the one in the books that kind of figures out or goes to Hannibal. He then figures out that Hannibal is the Chesapeake Ripper. And he does the same thing. Hannibal uh, distracts him, takes off his shoes, gets behind him, and then actually guts Will. So there's no prior uh, relationship between Will and Hannibal in the books. Mm, So this is like their first meeting in the books. Um, So so it's like the same thing. This is the first interaction Miriam is having with Hannibal, and then she figures it out, and she's the one who pays the price for it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I love that parallel. Yeah. So in the books, it's like the relationship between Will and Hannibal is very different, obviously. But mm-hmm. like Hannibal also like disembowels him. Like you just said, like he guts him yep. in this encounter, right? So like. Yeah. Yeah. It nearly kills him. Yeah. And the, their whole relationship is like built upon that encounter, you know? So. Yeah. Is it it's very face very scarred or something too? No, that happens at the end of. That's not because of uh, Hannibal. Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, so in the present, Jack is getting ominous phone calls. Those phone calls are so creepy. Yeah. yeah it's okay. So messed up. Give me the willies, I think. It's, it's kind of creeping me out. Yeah. He gets woken up in the middle of night and he gets a call and then he gets a call from his own house coming from his own house. And then finally he gets a call, you know, from a unblocked number, which they trace and then they go to, it's like a, it's an observatory. It's yeah. an observatory. Thank you. And then they go inside. Oh, he calls the number back and they go inside and then they find that, you know, there's a arm severed arm. Yeah. Severed arm <laughs> holding this phone and, uh, yeah, it's like so we're jumping around a little bit, right? So, yeah, so like the basic plot of the episode, right, is that uh, Doctor Chilton uh, wants everyone to believe that he's found the Chesapeake Ripper, this yes. uh, doctor who kills the nurse in the opener. Uh, now, of course, the real Chesapeake Ripper is Hannibal Lecter, and right. uh, he's not happy with this, and so he, out of his ego, wants everyone to know that, that the real Chesapeake Ripper is out there, especially Jack and Will. So um, yeah. he starts doing these uh, crank phone calls, I guess. <laughs> and so yeah. then, you know, this uh, this current investigation of uh, the quote-unquote Chesapeake Ripper is, you know, interspersed with flashbacks of... Hannibal killing Miriam Lass. Yeah, but because notably, I mean, it's basically making Jack remember, right? The last time he had to, he was trying to go after the Chesapeake Ripper and what happened because of it. Mm -hmm. Like Amir said, we're skipping around, but there's like, especially early on the episode, there's mention of like, oh, I think it was Keller who says like something about, oh, Zeller, sorry. Zeller is the one who said something about like, oh, the last known body that we found. And then Jack's like, oh, we didn't find the last known body. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like all these little hints that we get along the way that, you know, that's Miriam. Right. Eventually we figure out that's Miriam. And yeah. it, it kind of like slowly reveals throughout this whole episode that Hannibal is the Chesapeake River, that that's why he's so confident that he, he knows that Eddie Izzard's uh, Abel Gideon isn't. Right. Yeah. So I want to talk about like Raul Esparza's Frederick Chilton, too. Yes. He's such a slimy character. Yes. Um, and he plays it so differently than like Anthony Heald, I feel. Um, I think Anthony Heald is very he plays Chilton as very inept. Um, which which this this Chilton also kind of is, right? But like this Chilton is like he's so like self-absorbed and he thinks he's so important. He thinks he's the star of this show, right? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I found yeah, the Chesapeake yeah. Ripper and like and like there's all this there's this through line of like the psychic driving, the psychic coercion, where like mm-hmm. they accuse him of like implanting, incepting the idea that <laughs> uh, Gideon is the is the Chesapeake Ripper into Gideon's mind. So there's a lot of that too. So it's interesting. I, I think this Chilton is like one of those characters that you really love to hate. Um, he's and, so awful from like the first second he's on screen. You're like this dude is the worst. <laughs> yeah, he's such a smarmy piece of shit. Yeah, I, I will say that I think out of all the other characters that are not Hannibal and not Will, he is he might be my favorite. Yeah, you, you love watching him. I like, mean, yeah. you know, you know, he's like such a piece of shit, but like not to give anything away. He's like he's not in every episode, right? He's not like a main. Captain, no, no, right? no, no, no. But and I do wish he was in more sometimes, but he yeah. is in a good handful. And like, yeah, he's get, in a good right? handful. Right. right yeah. get, uh, definitely a good uh, understanding of the character he becomes and how his character evolves throughout the series. And uh, by the end of the series, I love this character like so much that mm-hmm. I'm so glad to get to watch it over, over again from the beginning, get these, 
get to yeah. see that introduction again from him. And like, there's so much going on in this episode. Like, like Freddie Lowndes is in this episode too. Yeah, right? yeah, that's right. Absolutely. She's in this episode and playing a, you know, yeah, yeah, Sorry, playing a very, very dangerous game. I think Jack is pretty stupid to be doing this. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, let's make the Chesapeake Ripper mad. A terrible idea, I feel. <laughs> but, uh, but his idea is to have Freddie Lowndes publish uh, that they found the Chesapeake Ripper as Abel Gideon, right? Just to, just to make the real Chesapeake Ripper mad, not knowing how close Hannibal Lecter is to to all this, right? And that scene where Hannibal's like reading the the headline, mm-hmm. such a great scene. It's like he looks so annoyed. This is the chiffre shit he did right there. Yeah. And going back uh, just a little bit, I love the scene when they're asking for her help, essentially, I love the kind of verbal battle that her and Will have. Mm-hmm. And that where, you know, Will's like, oh, do you know who's number six on the, you know, most likely to uh, become, you know, a sociopath? And he's like, well, do you know who number seven is? And yeah, it's like, yeah. it's like these jabs that they're doing at each other. And just, I thought it, it was so it's, great. It's a great example of like very, like unrealistic, uh, like heightened dialogue that's yeah. very very effective, right? Embellished, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a little like like a parallel. It's not the same thing, but it's kind of like the way like Whedon writes characters that talk nothing like the way that like real speak, people, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it still works for that specific like context. Like that's kind of you know, yeah, similar similar thing here. Yeah, like the scene ends with that great line where she's like, "Here we are, a bunch of psychopaths helping each other out." Yeah. Yeah, love the lines actually in this one and the last episode. I think they had some really great, yeah, great some dialogue. Funny, there's some pretty funny ones. Yeah, had yeah, yeah. some great lines about ethical butchery and uh... Jeff. You touched a little bit about this, but I, I want to dive a little bit more on this idea of like the psychic driving. Mm-hmm. So it does it get confirmed by the end of this episode that he is? Does everyone believe that he's not the Chesapeake Ripper? Like, does Raul Esparza's character not believe he's a Chesapeake Ripper? Also, by the end of the episode. Oh, I think I think for sure that he's he's performing the psychic coercion to make Gideon yeah. think he's the Ch- Chesapeake Ripper, yeah. Um, yeah, right? I because the there's that there's that dinner party where Hannibal kind of like winks at it, right? Yeah, and then yeah. Um, and Hannibal's like, "Well, if I were you, I would do the same thing." And then uh, Chilton's like, "Oh, I'm so offended," or whatever. You yeah. know, like, he's clearly doing that to to Gideon to make him think that he's the Chesapeake Ripper. Yeah, which is like super unethical right like oh yeah 100 like the children oh, yeah. i feel like the children from the movies isn't that evil like he's like yeah. a glory hound but like yeah he's not, yes. tr- he's, not movie, like, yes. he's not like inventing a serial killer or like making a man believe he's a serial killer and inspiring a murder just so that he i can feel like he's not even that caught a guy i feel like he's not even that immoral in in the movie right yeah that's what i'm saying yeah, yeah it's, it's not um, he's like like this but, shit is like some serial killer. like it's it's very very bad um, like you would definitely get your psychiatrist you would be like thrown in jail to jail yeah. yeah like what forget yeah, about your like, like psychiatry license you yeah, would be in prison for this shit. It, i mean it's practically some it's malpractice. Shit. obviously it's malpractice Wait, so <laughs> is, is the implication that he knows what he did and he did it on purpose or he is too stupid to realize what he did and he just no, did it on he, accident he did it on purpose because okay. yeah, he wants the I think fame and glory mm-hmm. of, ooh, I caught the Chesapeake Ripper. River. Yeah. I had, I I, had yeah. him the whole time. Right. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what it is, mm-hmm. and I think, yeah, the Hannibal thing is, like, I think Hannibal yeah. uh, hangs a lampshade on there. It's like, yeah. Uh, Sorry, before so, we leave the dinner scene, I wanted to ask, this goes back to something I mentioned in our previous episode. He serves tongue this week, right? Right, yeah. Is this a human tongue? Probably. Three um, human tongues? They look super... They look yeah, how many human big. tongues can you fucking have? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is a very good point. Like, I was initially going to say yes, too. But when you stop and think about it, like, human tongue? It's not that big. Unless it's, unless it's like a little appetizer. I don't know. I don't know, though. Like, I think the tongue is way longer than you... You think, think in your head, yeah. Like you can you can give someone like a Colombian necktie and pull it all the way through their throat, right? <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> so it's probably bigger than you think. Yeah, that's true. Maybe that. maybe it is like a couple human tongues. Oh, those dishes look pretty big. I... 
this kind of leads me into the next thing I want to talk about Hannibal and this idea of the ch- or the the persona of the Chesapeake River. Now that can't be the only way he kills, right? He he kills as the Chesapeake River. Yeah, yeah, no, no, in that's certain, the only way he kills. Yes. Times, right? Because there's other times where we've seen him just hunting people down, like the people that are just running away in those flashbacks we saw last episode, right? So mm-hmm. like he picks and chooses his time to be the Chesapeake River, right? Yeah. Okay. And then, like, he chooses times to be the copycat, and, like, he's smart enough not to get, like, too attached to his methodology of murdering people. Yeah, not creating a, a pattern, in a sense. Uh-huh. Or, like, a like a super obvious pattern, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he has to be killing a lot. If every meal he's eating, or eating most of the time, is some kind of human, then, yeah, like, he must be, he must be doing it a, a lot. <laughs> Yeah. If that's true, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Is he, I don't know if he's always eating human flesh, but yeah, yeah. I don't know either. I just want to. Be, I, think, I, I, I believe. I he think. Is. I just think there's like a nice little mystery mm-hmm. there that, like, hmm, is that human that he's feeding? And like, but just to go back a little bit, I just thought it was a nice parallel that Gideon is kind of a stand-in for the Silence of the Lambs version of Hannibal Lecter, right? Because like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of similarities there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and. Just the way that he kills the nurse, and then like the glass separating himself from sure, yeah, the la- uh, with la- with Lowndes as Clarice and Clarice, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I guess with Lowndes and with uh, Alana as Clarice, there even is like kind of a similar shot where like Alana's walking right, and like he his cell is the last cell on the left, and like she walks by and sees a bunch of other or a couple different other inmates, and then you know finally gets to. Abel Gideon, and then she, she the chair is pulled up right there for her, and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's like there's yeah, those parallels. a lot of similarities. Yeah, a lot of great parallels to Silence of the Lambs. But yeah, I mean, also I want to mention like jumping around a little bit more. Like <laughs> Jack is very on edge in this episode, and he's he he flies off the handle very easily, as we've seen before. I think he does it in this episode too, when they're tracing the call, right? And like. Uh, Zeller is like, are you sure you were awake or whatever? <laughs> and Crawford's like, you sure you want to keep questioning me, Z? Maybe you should leave the room while it's still safe for you to be here. I'm like, oh yeah. shit, <laughs> that escalated very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Jack, I, I'd be scared to work for Jack. He's he's a little scary. Yeah, but even Will at the end of the episode does mention like you like he he says like you never found a body, right? Yeah, and all that kind of stuff. So the the episode itself does a lot to like make you as the audience like is she really dead and yeah, i mean no i mean it's yeah like it doesn't really answer it but like it, at this point it can go both ways i mean there's there's an arm there right yeah at the end of the episode and what i noticed about the arm is and i don't know if you guys caught it it's like a little wet did you guys notice that oh, i didn't notice that that has like it has like water what? droplets on it as though it was frozen Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, like, years. it yeah. could have been, like, you know, she's dead, and he just kept his arm this whole time for, for I don't know, eating later or for this whole purpose. Yeah, in a freezer for this whole purpose of fucking with Jack Crawford one day. But, yeah, uh, yeah th- that's what I noticed the second time. I was like, oh, it's a little wet. Like, it's been frozen. Yeah, it's the awesome. scenes were, like, Jack is being woken in the middle of the night alone. Give me, this, give me the creeps. Uh, yeah. So, this is the fucked up thing about Hannibal, right? Is that he's, like... I don't know, a friend and colleague to this guy and mm-hmm. like therapist to his wife and mm-hmm. confidant and like dinner host. And also he murdered his protege and is torturing him with like, it. At with the very, it, with yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like no yeah. compunction to, to do that. Well, yeah. He's, he has no remorse in, in doing that to, a so-called friend, right? Yeah, not just no remorse. It's like, how do you even fit those two things in the same person? I know, I know. Like, it's, it's, like, it's like watching, I don't know, any movie where you've seen the twist beforehand. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like re-watching a movie where you now you know the twist, but from the beginning, right? Because we all, yeah. we, we know from the beginning Hannibal's a serial killer. So it's like watching Fight Club and you already know he's fucking Tyler Durden or something. You know? Mm-hmm. You're watching Sixth Sense, you already know that he's dead. And trying to pick up the little things they did. You know, and it's like you're doing that all the time. Yeah. Um, with this show. And especially in this episode, you're just like, well, what the fuck is going on here? Like Brian Fuller said, like, if we didn't call the show Hannibal and we didn't name the characters what they were named based on the books, like, you would not actually see that Hannibal was like a serial killer, right? I mean, I don't know if that's actually true until like 
I mean, this episode. Uh, I don't know. Would would you have been surprised if this was like a completely different show and had nothing to do with Hannibal Lecter and everyone wasn't named what they're they're named, right? Would would you guys be surprised at the direction that this episode went in with with Hannibal's character? It kind of escalates, right? Like this, like you guys, or like you said, Jeff, this is the first time we actually see him in action, right? But I mean, there are other episodes we we know that. Actually, no. We, he... Well, I mean, the first episode is very weird because he does call the residents. Um, yes. Garrett Jacob Hobbs. So, you yeah. Get, what the fuck is up with that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And then the stuff with Abigail Hobbs was like, oh, I'll keep your secret if you keep mine. But then all the, the little nods, all the even the dinner scenes wouldn't have as big of an effect, right? Like, I wouldn't be having these conversations about, oh, are they eating humans at the dinner scene? Because I yeah, yeah, I yeah. wouldn't know that this person's a cannibal right. yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, you saw him preparing a lung, so I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So you have like, to take out a couple of things. Yeah. Where they're like playing with us. You know, like that scene where he's serving the rabbit and then it cuts to like the dude running down the street or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. You'd have to cut that out. Uh, to keep the the mystery, right? But, yeah, no. that was just a fun little. No, no, that's a good way to thought fun. experiment. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I, I, there are some little things there that that would tip you off, but it's not a yeah. ton. I feel like you yeah. could have been watching, like if it wasn't called Hannibal, you could be watching this show and not know that this guy's a yeah. serial killer. Yeah, like that's yeah. reason. That's reasonable. I don't know. I mean, I guess another question would be: if this wasn't called Hannibal, would you find this show as interesting? Though we have a preconceived notion of what. The character of oh, Hannibal. Yeah, no, 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 yeah. I mean, this this just adds so much dimension and like and depth to like existing characters that I wouldn't want it to be not related not to like yeah yeah. But like I'm I'm just saying because that's what Brian Fuller said, right? But like mm-hmm. but like we've been saying, you know, the whole dramatic irony in knowing that Hannibal's a serial killer and nobody else does, right? So like yeah. it not being Hannibal would make it worse. Yeah, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have that there. But I actually do want to go back to something Amir said. And I think it kind of goes hand in hand with the your, your kind of assessment of Hannibal basically fucking with Jack, you know, trying to be a friend, but also kind of messing with him. Uh, I, one of my favorite scenes, I think, in this whole episode is uh, the very last portion we get to. And like he's trying to be a friend to Jack and they're, you know, at the fireplace and they're having drinks and he wants Jack to tell Hannibal about Miriam, right? He's like, oh, tell me about her. And then it cuts to Hannibal's perspective of that day. I think that transition was so great. And yeah. it, it lends itself to that that idea, Mir, of like, he's, is he a friend or is he a foe? Or yeah, No, he's a complete sadist, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like, tell me about like your wife or tell me about Miriam. That's not like, oh, I want to be a friend to you. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretending to be a friend to you. So that I can like, feast on your pain, right? Mm-hmm. And like secretly display my superiority because you don't know that I'm the one who's done this to you. I mean, not yeah. the can- yeah. not the cancer bit, but you know, he like him. really savors that. He loves, yeah, that. dude. Oh yeah, so, so fucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Such uh, a great. I think it was such a great moment because he has a, a little bit of a smile. Like I don't know if you guys know, a little bit of a little bit of the slightest almost smile. If there's any reservation you had before, like now you know, like Hannibal's he's he's an evil piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, he's the, wor- the worst. Yeah. yeah, I love watching him work. It's 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 fun. It makes for great television, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, was there anything else you guys wanted to bring up about this episode in particular? Miriam Lass, the name, her full name is Miriam Regina Lass. And uh-huh. if you guys ever watched Brian Fuller's other show, Dead Like Me, the main character is Reggie Lass. So, mm. uh, Easter egg, I guess. Yeah, a nice little Easter egg there. All right. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I will say, like, I, again, I think we've all kind of professed our love for this episode. I think this is. When I look back at the series, this is definitely one of my favorites, and I was very excited to get to watch this one again. Yeah, this was this was a good one. I could see how it would be a high point. This is really yeah, really, and there's really, some great really episodes fun. coming, you know, throughout um, this three season, you know, yeah. journey. Yeah, no, I love the black and white of the flashbacks. Yeah. there's so much going on here that's yeah. really, really, really fun to watch and really fucked up, and really horrific. Yeah, so, yeah. For sure. 
Oh, and the last little kind of Easter egg or parallel is, um, you know, they have that little scene, right? Miriam and, and Jack had that little scene about how people call him the guru, mm-hmm. right? Which is kind of the very similar scene in, in Silence of the Lamb. So that's just like another small parallel, which yeah. I love. I just love all these things that we, you, can, you can catch in this, in, just in this one episode. I mean, I think the whole series does it really well, but this episode stands out on its own in, in that regard also. But I guess if we have nothing else to say, I think that will conclude this week's episode, right? All right. This was a good one. Uh, Jeff, where can uh, people find you? You can uh, find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at strangeharbors. So I also wanted to mention that we are going to be running a little contest. If you would like to enter, all you have to do is subscribe to our podcast and leave us a little review. And all you have to do is go on my Instagram page at Strange Harbors and go to the latest post and comment with the name that you left your review with, and then we'll give you an entry. And so the prize is a $100 uh, Amazon gift card plus the entire series of Hannibal on Blu-ray. So hopefully one of you guys can win this neat little prize. So we're just trying to do a little promotion, um, get more people to listen. Um, Yeah. Sounds fun. I wish I could enter. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Amir, where can people find you? Check out the Letterboxd and Derek. You can find me at the wrong day. Dake spelled D-A-Y-I-K. That's for Instagram and Twitter. But if you like this episode, one of the best ways to help us out is like Jeff is trying to get you to do. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, whatever it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other major podcast platforms. And then also, uh, like Jeff was also suggesting, please, if you're on Apple Podcasts, give us a great review, give us a great star rating, because it definitely helps to mix up those algorithms and, and, and pushes our, our podcast up to get it out to many, many more people. So please help us out with that, too. Yeah. And uh, we also like to read emails on the podcast sometimes. So if you guys have any questions, comments, suggestions, little tidbits, Easter eggs that we missed, please feel free to email us at jeff at strangeharbors.com. And... Hopefully we can read some of those on the air for you guys. All right. So I guess that concludes this week's episode. We will be back next week with episodes seven and eight. See you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. See you guys.